are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Thank you. What a joy to be here tonight. And uh, I have learned a couple of things by just watching and observing. One, that if you take any type of musical instrument lesson from North Valley, you have to be able to bounce the instrument or be bounced by the instrument. Uh, Brother Galvan was, somebody check the shocks on that bench over there because uh, he was going up and down. How many saw that? He was going up and down. Uh, David danced before the Lord. Brother Oscar bounced before the Lord. Amen. And then Brother Flood back here on this oversized violin back over here. Have y'all watched that? You know, he, I'm waiting for him to spin it. That's what I wanted to do. Somewhere, just reach out, Brother Flood, just spin that thing and uh, make a couple of these ex-heathens feel good. Amen. Uh, but I, I am. I'm very honored to be here. Uh, if I told you I was not nervous, that would be a lie. And, uh, but I, I praise the Lord for uh, North Valley. I want to thank you, Brother Treber and Miss Treber, uh, for loving our family uh, from a distance. And uh, my son, R.G., uh, is special needs, and he loves Brother Treber. Sometimes he loses respect and calls him Jack. That's when you put up the lightning rods so you do not get struck down. Well, one day, uh, Kelly and I are driving down the road, and, and R.G.'s in the back, and uh, R.G., they, she, uh, he heard us talking about Brother Miss Treber, and, uh, and we were just uh, reminiscing about some things that they had been so kind for us, and R.G. heard it, and so the next thing we know, R.G. has that phone, and he passes up and said, Jack's on the phone, and uh, <laughs> he heard us talking about him, and he called him. And it was like, I'm thinking to myself, good, good night. Good thing we were saying good things about that man. <laughs> because if we were saying bad things about that man, then we're okay. I thought for sure, y'all, I thought for sure. I don't know if I can say this publicly, but it doesn't matter. I thought for sure that I had a collector item that I could put into a shadow box and I literally could make money off of it. In the mail comes two autographed. Kaepernick jerseys back before, before, never mind. And uh, so I thought, man, I'm in, I, you know, my investments is I'm going to take care of the heathen. Amen. And so I got these things. And so we were in the process of getting put in shadow boxes to preserve them, uh, to sell at when the market was high, when they finally did win the uh, Super Bowl. And uh, so anyways... I'm a Cowboys fan, so I, anyway, so, and wouldn't you know it, the, the, the next week or like the next month, he decides to turn communist, and I'm telling you right now that it was absolutely, so it was a big deal, and uh, so my wife, only my wife would say there, this, there goes our retirement, how come he did that, uh, so, but I appreciate Brother Miss Treber, and uh, Y'all, I think I have an opportunity tomorrow night to speak to a woman's convention. That's what I said. That's what I said, brother. And uh, so I was coming down from the hotel, 
and uh, coming down, and these two ladies were on the uh, elevator, and uh, so I'm joking with them, and I, they're, pu they're pushing this cart, and I said, hey, let me stand on it, and when we get down, just push me out, and I'll pose. I'll mannequin, and so I'm joking with them and having a good time. I step out, and now there's six, seven ladies that are there, and I, and I said, what are y'all doing? Where are y'all from? They said, well, we're from West Memphis. And I said, hey, I have a, a cousin that lives in West Memphis. And so we started reminiscing. And I said, you're in town for why? And she said, well, we're in town because it's a ladies' convention. So there's another gathering going on. And I said, uh, oh, hey, let me tell you something. I got the joke for the women's convention. And uh, they're all, like, gathered around. And I said, you heard about the man convention uh, that all the husbands showed up to? And the leader got up and he said, hey, men, go home, straighten your woman out, tell her, I better see that house clean, I better see them children better behaved, and I better see that food hot. So they all go home. Now, I'm telling these ladies this. Yeah, the look on their face is like, I've seen that look before, and... Uh, not from you, Kelly, and not you. And uh, so, so anyways, I said, so they come back the next year. All the men show back up. The leader says, any testimonies? Three men get up. First man says, I went home and told Margaret. Margaret, you listen to me. I better see that house clean. I better see them kids better behaved. And I better see the meal hot on the table. First, first night, I didn't see anything. Second night, I didn't see anything. Third night, I saw some improvement. All the men, yeah. These women are not liking this joke. <laughs> I said, the next man gets up and he says, I tell Jill, Jill, the house, I have to have it clean. The children, they're not, they're not being behaved. They're acting like your mother. The, <laughs> the food is lacking seasoning. I want that corrected. First night, I saw nothing. Second night, I saw nothing. Third night, I saw a little bit of improvement. All the men in the convention go, whoa. By this time, these ladies have digressed in their like toward me. And I said, then that third man got up, sheepish, and he said, I went home and, and I told Tammy, I said, Tammy, you need to clean this house. Tammy, those children stink. And Tammy, that food is terrible. First night I saw nothing. Second, second, first night I saw nothing. Second night I saw nothing. Third night I saw nothing. Fourth night I could see a little bit out of that eye right there. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. They loved me then. And, uh, and I said, hey, let me come address uh, all those ladies. Amen. Uh, so if I'm not here tomorrow night, I got another speaking gig and is down with them. And uh, so, but we do praise the Lord and take your Bibles if you will. And uh, let's travel to the book of Hebrews, book of Hebrews. And I know this totally violates everything. Can I get some water? Sure. Yeah. Does that be okay? Thank you. You guys, you want to drink of my water? No. no. Okay. Sorry. My mouth is cotton right now. Uh, so Hebrews chapter five is where we're at. And uh, we're going to read verse number 11 through verse number, through chapter 6, verse number 6. So we're going to kind of step over uh, the chapters there, uh, chapter 6. So don't let the division stop us from reading. Could we stand, please, if you would? 
and to give you a little bit of time to stretch. I do count it an honor uh, to be speaking uh, in another man's pulpit, and I never take that for granted. Uh, this is God's house. You are God's people. Thank you very much, and I promise that I will not make a mess. Uh, so, and I never take it lightly when I am speaking, especially to men of God. You pastor people with real problems, real situations. My job tonight is to remind myself what church is all about. Why we're doing this thing. Why do we do this thing called ministry? Why do we do this thing called church? Tonight, let's just love on the Lord. How about that? Look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. Seeing ye are dull of hearing, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong drink. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even to those by, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead work and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, on of eternal judgment. And this will we do, if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. I'll give my title here in just a moment, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we stand in a place that represents heaven. We gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, which represents the family. When we got ready tonight, we left our place, whether it be our homes, the hotel, we left our things behind that identify us. We left those things behind. We left and we came to your house. Lord, one day you're going to come back and get us. And what we did tonight represents the rapture. And Lord, every time we leave our things behind and come to your house with brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a little bit of catching away. It's a little bit of the rapture. But oh, Lord, one day there'll be one final leaving of things behind and one final gathering with brothers and sisters and we will rise together. And those of our loved ones who have gone on before, you promised that you would bring them back with you. And then, Lord, you use that one mighty word that brings such comfort together. We will be together. But, Lord, until then, help us to fight the good fight. Until then, help us to be faithful that at your appearing, we should not be ashamed. One day when we stand before you, the desire 
I believe, of everyone in this room is that we want to hear from you. Well done. God, that's why we're here. We're just trying to learn how to be a better servant to hear from the master. Well done. Thank you for your grace toward us, your long suffering in our lives. Lord, I think that we could pray for another day and a half, two days, the rest of the week, and we still would not find words adequate enough to let you know exactly how we feel. Bless this night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you were to look at the Bible, in landscape view from the side, you would see that the Bible begins in the book of Genesis at creation. The Bible then climbs this pinnacle, climbs all the way to the top, and it plateaus at the Psalms. It stays on that plateau from the Psalms and travels all the way to Song of Solomon, this beautiful, mysterious story of a love between a shepherd and his love. But from that point in Isaiah, the book takes a downward trend in the relationship between God and his people. Apostasy happens that very first step into Isaiah. You'll find if you know anything about the book, which you know much more than I do about the book, but as you read through from Isaiah to Malachi, creation to the pinnacle of the Psalms and travels on this plateau of love and comfort and wisdom and, and, and understanding that vain and vanity of life without Christ is that's vanity without Christ. And then we get the Song of Solomon, this beautiful love picture. Then, then she starts going down. If in your mind you could see this starts a downward trend and all of a sudden the heart of man and the lips of man start separating to where now it's just ritualistic relationship rather than a love relationship. This exists and the divide gets bigger and by the time you end at the bottom of Malachi, you reach up and you shut the lights off as you exit the Old Testament. It remains dark until Matthew. And then in Matthew, the light of the world breaks through the darkness. And this light that enters into this dark world shows a ritualistic religious group of people that they only are able to do the rituals, but they have no idea what they mean. Jesus is that light. But that one word, apostasy, that, that one word is a 14th century word. It is a word that for the past seven centuries have defined people of any religious sect, of any religious biblical belief, apostasy. It's the renouncing of a belief. Apostasy, it's abandonment of what we've been taught. Apostasy, it's recanting. Apostasy, treachery. Apostasy, faithlessness. Apostasy, disloyalty. Apostasy, betrayal, defection, desertion, 
heresy, recanting. If you're there in the book of Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 12, you're going to find out that here is the key verse for apostasy. And brethren, I will tell you this, that we live in a day and time to where the battle lines are being drawn and they are not being drawn on any other level than this. What is this thing all about? Why are we doing this thing called church and Christianity? And here in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Here's exactly what it means. It means you used to be over here, if I could, and you used to be the teacher. But our churches and believers have apostatized. They are beginning this trend. If this could be the place to where we should be teaching, now we find the average church and the average believer living so close to the line. This, my friend, is apostasy. This, my friend, is what's hampering the believer. This, my friend, is what's giving the church of the fundamental independent, independent Baptist brethren a black eye. Because we have gone, I'm afraid, to that point to where we used to be the ones teaching the first oracles of God. And now we have apostatized to where we are so close to this edge that we don't even understand that our lifestyle to some degree is matching the bad versions of the Bible more than supporting the word. Every believer, every church should live in fear of going backwards in their effectiveness and relationship with Jesus Christ. It is possible for every believer in church to digress and become, according to the text, unskillful in the word and to be content with a diet of milk rather than a smorgasbord of strong meat. Oh, my brethren, when I come to church, I don't want to select between chocolate milk and white milk and strawberry milk. I want to get to the meat. I want to get to what heaven's all about and what this thing about church is all about. Before prayer, we walk from Hebrews chapter 5 all the way into Hebrews chapter 6. Now I want to go to the very end if we can, and I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 6, and let's look at verse 4, 5, and 6. How does somebody get here? And, and I'll tell you, I live in fear of this every day. I live in fear that my, my Christian life in me as a believer, in me as a born-again child of God, that I am going to wake up in an apostate state. I don't want to be that way. I, I don't want the church that I serve to end up in this milk-type church. I don't want to be a milk-type believer, and I don't want to have, uh, be a part of a group of believers that are a milk church. No, no, I don't want to be that way. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, and let's lay a foundation here as we work our way back. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 4. For 
It is what, please? Impossible. impossible. Don't you love that word? For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away. Now, brethren, let's stop and understand once saved, always saved. The book said impossible. Once you've tasted, it's impossible. But if you could, here's what's going to happen. But because you can't, that's never going to happen. Don't you love that? I want to tell you right now that you and I are so eternally secure in our position that it is impossible to apostatize in your salvation because you had nothing to do with your salvation. Christ had everything to do with your salvation. You're born again, not by the will of man, not by the blood of man, but you're born again by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And once you're in, you're in. Not by your own merit, not by your own goodness. You don't come to God, holy God, wrapped in your righteousness. You and I come to a holy God wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But where you cannot apostatize in your salvation, you can apostatize in your Christian life. This is what the writer is trying to tell the believers in the Hebrews. Hey, listen to me as we travel backwards. It's impossible. He's telling them it's impossible once you're saved, once you've tasted, once you're enlightened, once you're a partaker, once you have tasted of the worlds to come to fall away. But if you could fall away, that's what would have to happen. But because you can't fall away, that's not going to happen. You can't unborn anything. Don't you love that? Now there are some, ch some children I go back and unborn. But if you'll go to chapter, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, 2, and 3. Now I'm headed somewhere. I'm headed to the woman's convention to tell my joke. Amen. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on until what, please? Perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. I'm not going to take time to take those six and tell you about them. I will tell you this, that once any believer begins to apostatize. You say, how do you know if a church is apostatizing? How do you know if a believer is apostatizing? Here's how you know. They want to go back and talk about the foundations of what God has said in his word rather than just believe the foundations of what God has said in his word. And any conversation that we have about the word of God should come up an exclamation point and should not come up a question mark. But my dear friend, am we not amazed at the churches and the believers that are putting a question mark on what God said? And that's the very tactic the devil used in Genesis to get man divided from God. And that was this, yea, hath God said. And if you look here contextually in Hebrews chapter 6, 1 and 2, you know what it's saying? When are we going to get out of a circular thinking 
Well, well, let's kind of discuss the validity of our doctrine. Oh, you're starting to apostatize. Whenever you see a church, a believer, a pastor, say, you know, I just don't think I completely understand that doctrine, so there must be a flaw in that doctrine. God told you as much about that doctrine as he wanted you to know about that doctrine. And it's called living by faith. It's called obeying by faith. That the daddy of heaven, the father of heaven knew exactly what he was saying. Your father didn't have to explain it all to you. He just said, you trust me, son. That's what it says. And that's the outcome. And we are not going forward with the gospel because we are on a merry-go-round inside the church with these discussions. It shouldn't be that way. Apostasy. How do we get there? You know how we get there? Is because we're always trying to go in circles rather than moving on to perfection. Don't you desire something deeper than just teenagers giving up the same sins every year at camp? Listen to this, teenagers. You're making a mockery. When do we move on to perfection? Apostasy. Are y'all with me tonight? I think one more drink and the cotton's gone. Then we're taking off. When our churches are known more for drama than Christ. When our churches are known more for infighting than uplifting then somebody needs to step back and say, are we just going in circles? Or have we moved on to perfection? At some point, every believer needs to go upward. At some point, every church needs to go onward. And nobody from the lost world wants to walk into a church to where they can sense the fighting they can sense the power struggle between the pulpit and the pew, between the ushers and the pastor. Oh, my friend, when the unbeliever comes walking in here, it ought to be a breath of fresh air. When they go into your church, they ought to be convinced by everybody that God is alive. Jesus is the Savior. This is the right way to sing the songs. This is the right way to have church. And I love what the writer says when he says, let us go on into perfection. Look at verse 3 and let's read it out loud together. Are you ready? Hebrews 6, 3. And this will we do if God permit. You know what we need to say? We're doing it. We're doing it. We're, I'm going to be the kind of pastor that I go back home and I don't relay foundations that God already put down in his word. I want to move on. Boy, I wake up every day going, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I'm going to take that next step, what God wants me to do. I'm going to do that next thing God wants me to do. We're backing up. You cannot apostatize in your salvation because you had nothing to do with it. But you can apostatize. You can go backwards in your Christian life. Brethren, I would just challenge you. Sisters, I would challenge you. I would challenge you. Don't read God's word to find a loophole. Read God's word to strengthen your faith and your resolve that God is right. Amen. Now, let's travel back into Hebrews chapter 5. 
Look at verse 13 and 14. How did they get to the apostasy state? They got there because they kept laying again foundations instead of standing on the foundations. And then we find out the reason why that they had to keep doing this. Behind every spiritual apostasy is a physical apostasy. Whenever somebody starts questioning the word, my friend, all you got to do is wait a little bit longer. And what you're going to find out is the flesh has overpowered the spirit. And the flesh doesn't like those foundations. This is the only reason a deacon board, this is the only reason a pastor would ever start rethinking the foundations is because their flesh has strayed. Look what the word says. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a what, please, babe? But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to do what, please? Discern both. Do you know what's happening? We have lost our discernment. This lies the problem. We've lost our discernment. We are trying to decide what is right and what is wrong. We are still trying to decide, does the world have anything to offer? We still are trying to decide, you know, maybe there's some good evil out there. Maybe there's some good marijuana. Maybe there's some good dope. Maybe there's some good pornography. Maybe there's some good cigarettes. You listen to me. When we start trying to decide, is this good or is this bad? Is this good? We've lost our discernment. Why have we lost our discernment? Because we are not sensitive to the Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of us. And listen to this, it's hard for people to have their sensitivity when the pulpits are silent about the foundations of what God has said. Oh, every, every believer, every believer struggles. But I'll tell you right now, those believers who hang in there are the believers who are sensitive. You know what they said in the Old Testament? They've lost their blush. They've lost the ability. I'm headed somewhere. I'm just trying to lay a foundation here. You cannot go backwards in your salvation because it had nothing to do with you. You will always go backwards as a believer and as a church when you start rethinking the foundations of what God said, build your life on it. Don't change that foundation because that foundation is me and everything you change is all about me and Christ doesn't need my opinion about how he wrote the book. Now, people listening may go, that's just blind, cult-like following. Listen to this. I believe it's faith following, not blind fellowship. So all of a sudden, we work our way down. And we have believers and churches who have lost their discernment. They've lost their sensitivity. And now they are closer to the edge and because they've rethought everything that they were taught and everything they believe, then they stand right to this edge and they say this, prove to me. Come on now. Prove to me. If you're here tonight 
going, prove to me. Oh, my friend, you know where I want to be? I, I, I want to be to where I don't rethink these. That's what the scripture says. I don't rethink these. And then I, I want to be so sensitive that I've got my discernment up. My discernment, listen to this, is not evil to good. Look what the text says. It's what? Good and evil. Instead of looking at the evil and saying, God proved to me that the evil's wrong. Why not look at the good and say, you've already proven to me that's wrong. And I am going to look at the good to judge the evil. Let me tell you something. Any other lady next to my wife is not good looking. I hate to burst your bubble. My wife is the litmus test for beauty. And that's why when I look at another lady, oh, praise God, I married you. You know, sometimes the ladies are like, hello, grow, grow up. Or they got that perfume that they ran out, so they added water, and it's like, oh, no, it's curling my nose hairs. And I'll tell you right now, I don't understand any Christian. I don't understand any Christian that wants to live next to something that put our Savior on the cross, that made a bloody mess out of him, that his visage was so marred that nobody could not even tell he was a human being. He took your sin and my sin and put it. Why do you want to slum it with the evil and say, God, prove to me this is not right. Whatever happened to this discernment that said, this does not honor you, so I don't want that. This does not make me, I want you, I don't want that. Ladies and gentlemen, as long as you are trying to make God fit in your life rather than your life fit in God, we will always have this problem. When are we going to wake up and when are we going to understand we've got to be sensitive to the things of God? Why are we not sensitive? Let's let the word answer that. Verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of what, please, use have their senses, what, exercised. Go back to verse 13. Let's keep traveling back. I'm headed someplace. For everyone. Don't trust me. Look at the book. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the what? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Do you know why we're ashamed of what the book says? Because we have lost a skill set. Listen to this. I don't care how much you knew when you were in junior high. I don't care how many Sunday school songs you know. If you're not daily in that word and you're not digging in that word and you are not skillful in that word, then you will lose your discernment. I will lose my discernment. And when we lose our discernment, we elevate to the surface. 
And it's at this surface that we're blown about with every wind of doctrine. It's at this surface that we go with the latest trends. It's at this surface. And anytime I see a pastor and anytime I see a believer going with the latest trends, you know what I know? That there's, their sail is high. They're, they have no roots and they're just a surface verse and they're a surface daily devotional and they use somebody else's words to get in touch with God rather than just get back into the old book Get out into the woods, get in some place and dig in that word and get in that word and become skillful in that word. That way, no matter what comes up, you know, no, that's not what the word says. I don't want that. Why are we having discussions about where God said? We're in trouble. The average pastor starts reading the text and the members sit there like this. Whatever happened to the day that you were following along in the text? When's the last time a believer went home and actually studied the text the preacher preached from? Could I be bold? Like I haven't? Maybe it's because us pastors don't study the text. And we're just looking for a diving board to dive off into the pool of our angst rather than get deep into the word and let the word create the pool and then just jump in and start swimming for the glory of God. Apostasy. My friend, when you become ignorant of the word of God, you will lose your discernment for the things of God. When you no longer can point to a verse for a belief, and your belief is only based on what somebody told you rather than the word, and this is the problem why millennials and different groups of people are leaving the right kind of church. That is because they weren't taught the depth of the Word of God. And your life has to be grounded in the book. Best thing my daddy ever did for me was say, get in the book. What does the book say? Son, I can't answer those questions for you. You find the verse, you find the chapter, and I praise God. I was raised in a home to where my mommy and my daddy told me that's what the book says, that's what the book says, that's what the book says. And all of a sudden, you're going to find out Go to Hebrews 4.12. Go back up one chapter. Because when you become skillful in the Word, look at what the Word does. What did it say? Keep your place there. Who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern, discern. Look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a what? Discerner of the thoughts and intents of the what? Heart. Do you know who the sorter is in your life to stay away from that edge and not get so close to that edge? It is the word of God and you've got to get that word of God down into who you are. It will pierce, it will cut, it will divide, but I'll tell you what it will do. It will get down into the heart and it will discern between the thoughts and what? 
intents of the heart. Intents, what you intend to do. Thoughts, how you're going to get done what you intend to do. Why did God destroy the earth originally? Because their imaginations were only evil continually. You're no better than pre-flood people. I'm no better than pre-flood people. And the reason we have lost our discernment is because we've lost our skill set in the Word. And the reason we've lost our skill set in the Word is because we don't want the Word. I, I include myself with us, brother. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to all of us. We have lost. We don't want the Word. Because Jeremiah tells us that your heart and my heart, who can know it? Can I answer that one? The Word can. Where's the restraint, sir, when you're away from your wife? The word? Teenager, where's the restraint? Young adult, young married couple. You're free, aren't you? You're married, aren't you? Mom and dad have not put any guidelines on you. They can't. You're married. We're free. In God's dear name, get in the word of God and get your skill set down. And by God's grace, do it. Because you're the future of our churches. And the reason our churches are not generational in the foundation of the Word of God is because our young married couples are not grounded in the Word of God. Every believer, every member of a local New Testament independent Baptist church should be on point with what does the Word say. And when we are on point with what the Word says and we are discerning, you know, like, God, deal with me in my heart so I don't have to disgrace you in my life. That should be our prayer. For you and I to think that we're a cut above of anybody is a lie of the devil. And that is the number one thing God said I hate. Pride. Could it be you're waffling and could it be that I at times waffle everybody because we are not skillful in the word? Oh, for any preacher standing in a point of perfection is flying in the face of God. We are to stand at the point of humility because we understand I cannot miss a day sharpening my skill set in the Word. When's the last time you went deep into the Word? When's the last time you got stuck on a verse? When's the last time a verse drove you to your knees? When's the last time you were so convicted by what you read that you had to be late getting home because you were on the side of the road on your face saying, God, that's what the Word says. And God, I stand before you condemned and I stand before you guilty. And God, if that ever comes out in my life, my marriage is done, my children lose respect for me. Let me tell you the reason that the church is not alive for Jesus Christ is because the Christian's not alive and they're a heart for Jesus Christ. And herein is the problem. You're eternally secure in chapter 6, but coming back up, my friend, exercise your senses by becoming skillful in the Word. Your study Bible, your journal, how full is it of marks? Let's just get honest. We surface read to teach our Sunday school lesson. We surface read to get a sermon. We surface read and everything's for performance rather than everything being for him. Him. 
We keep marching backwards in this text. Look at Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. The retardation of the church and believers is found here in verse number 12. For, when the, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. Let me pause and just say this. Apostasy, this dragging of the pastor to questioning the foundations, to losing their discernment between what is good and what is wrong. Everybody listen. Is not done by the new believers. It is not done by the drunk who just got saved. It's not done by someone who knew not our God. Do you know where it comes from? Those who were once teachers. And the writer saying this, have we really digressed? To where now we are babes and now we have totally forgotten what our heritage is, what our book is all about. And now we're standing here and the most we can muster up in church is milk. Milk? Milk is for babies. I respect two people in a church. I respect the PA people. God bless you guys up there playing checkers. <laughs> he just looked up. He wasn't paying attention. Look at him. Now he's ducking. Put down that in and out. Amen. Brother Johnson wants it. And uh, I, 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 because if it goes wrong, guess who's to blame? And I love it when the PA guys go, and then they lie to us pastors. Pastors, you don't know this, but every PA guy in America gets together on Monday morning in a conference call and they talk about us. And when we say, turn this up, turn this up, turn this up, turn it down, turn it up, turn it up too much. Why is it squealing? Fix that. The PA guys really don't touch the knobs. They hover above it and they just do that. And then we are so narcissistic that we go, good job, guys. <laughs> and then they go home and we're losing credibility with the PA guy's wife and his family. Because that night with bologna sandwiches sitting around, they say this, yeah, did you see pastor tonight? He thought I fixed it. I never touched it. And the wife goes, he probably does that and a hundred other things too. I appreciate they're gone. Where'd they go? And I appreciate those PA guys up there. You know the second group that hats are off? The nursery workers. Right now, they don't want revival to break loose in here. Right now, y'all, there's women back there going, would you shut up, Brother Gray? I mean, I'm going to pass 100 people tonight, probably. The group that frowns at me, and then goes, my fingernails are dirty. I stink. I don't care that God laid this on your heart. 
Hey, if us men are, ba are, are doing the nursery, we go down to a hardware store and buy colored duct tape. That's how we get, we duct tape this kid to the wall, tear it off, that's your kid's color. Come back and pick them up later. And then we're watching ESPN. Pastor, take your time. It's not my kid. I don't care if they, that's their fault. But you know what's really happening in our church? It's all babies that were once teachers and then pastors, let's talk. Now pastors, you have a decision to make. I have a decision to make. Will I go with them? Or will I stay and be the teacher? Every pastor faces it. The worst thing to ever happen to a pastor is social media. We were okay till we found out how the members were living. You cannot serve God and mammon. And most pastors are judging their next move based on the money rather than based on God. This is what apostasy does. We start questioning the foundations. We then lose our discernment because we're not skillful in the word. Then we're reduced to being a babe. Our churches go carnal and or worldly. And I'm coming to the end in about three hours. I was traveling through in this text. I was captivated by the book of Hebrews over a decade and a half ago. When I came to what I'm doing right now, I came to verse 11. The end of verse 11 says this, we have many things to say. Hard to be uttered. Pause. Hard to be uttered because the subject is too hard? No. Because the hearer's too dull. Members, listen to this. If you're not a pastor, you will not understand what I'm about to say. If you are a pastor, you'll get this. Shepherds, pastors, bishops, overseers. When we travel back through this, we have many things to say. Would you agree with that, men? We have many things to say. Hard to be uttered. Layman, if you want to help your pastor, get into the word and let God change your discern and discern your thoughts and intents. Let it pierce you so that you can get your discernment back. So you can live holy lives Monday through Saturday. So that when you come into the house of God on Sunday, the pastor's not having to come down and feed you milk, but he can give you strong meat. Because he's got a lot to say. And the only reason it's hard to get it out is because pastors are trying to describe color to blind people. I do not mean this irreverently. I do not mean this to offend. I wonder how many pastors have pearls 
and throw the pearls out. And then the people who are listening to the pearls. And then they look across the auditorium. The very first two words sum it all up. We have many more things to say. But we can't. Would you please read the first two words of verse 11? Of whom? Of whom? Oh, when I saw those two words, I thought to myself, how, how does a church and a Christian, 15 years ago, how does a church and how does a Christian get to this point to where they rethink the scriptures and they lose their discernment? And you, you can't even explain it in context of the heart of God. People are looking for a word on print and print on word and show me exactly where it says that. I mean, it has to say exactly. And we're living so close to the line that our churches look more like honky-tonks than they do like heaven. We're just living right there. How did we get here? It is because, because we have lost the purpose of us gathering. Of whom? The writer, if you'll back all the way up. Here's what he says in verse 1. Think about this. For every high priest taken from among men... Look, look at the revving, the revving. Look, look, look it's, it's building. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. For who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself is also compassed with infirmities and by reason hereof he ought as for the people so also for himself to be offered for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but that he said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong cryings and tears unto him, that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And then we come to verse 11. How many times have we Men, we've been in the heavenlies, spending time with God, and our heart is full. And then we come and we go. I've got so much more to tell you about him. I just want to tell you about him. I just want to tell you how wonderful he is. The sign that a church and or a believer has apostatized is when a sermon and a song about Jesus is boring. That's where I wanted to get to. It's when we can't preach on John 3.16.
We can't talk about his riches. We have to use shock treatment. The pastor has become something he was never meant to become. He has to waller in the depravity of humanity to even be relevant. God help us. You know what church ought to be? I think the front of this pulpit says it. That in all things, he might have the what, please? But especially in his house. Especially in his house. But we spend Monday through Saturday not in the Word, but in somebody else's. And we wonder why Sunday And I wonder how many pastors are just longing for this. Are there any believers that you want to hear about him? Would anybody just like to sing about him? Would, would, would anybody just like to rejoice about him? Would, would anybody like to hear, who am I that a king should bleed and die for? Who am I? That he should pray, not my will, thine Lord. The answer I. When I come to church, I can't sleep on Saturday night. My wife is watching this and she knows this is God's truth. I can't wait to get to church. And I'll tell you why. I can't wait to lift him up. And I cannot wait to sing about him. And I cannot wait to preach about him. And even when I have to preach against the ills of the society, that I always tell the people, listen to me, he died that. He died for. He became that. Who knew no that? So that you and I can become that. Why would you want to live there? And by the time we're done, he should be lifted so high. Did he not say, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must I be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will what? Draw all men unto me. Pastor, don't leave the position of him to go down and give milk. You keep it strong meat. You lift up him because when you lift up him, not programs, lift up him, don't change. He made you a promise that he will draw. Draw. Did you hear that? You say, well, pastor, what kind of, brother Greg, what kind of responsibility do you feel and pressure do you feel on Sunday morning? None. None. Because I'm just going to lift up him. And I'm going to preach about him. And I have seen him. What do I want? Him to do the eternal work or my voice to do the temporal work? I want him. 
You, you, you ought to be, at this point as a believer, here's why I want to be. Do I have so much more to say about him? I don't think I can. My wife and I were invited to go to the Bahamas. I think many of you have been there, so you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Pastor calls, and his daughter was attending church, I mean, excuse me, university in our East Texas community. He came by the church there, and he was from the Bahamas, and named Brother Wilton. And he said, hey, if I get, if I get my pastor to ask you to come, would you come? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Bahamas. Um, all expenses paid. Oh, yeah, Brother Gray, we'll pick it all up. Oh, Bahamas. If I tell my wife I'm going on a missions trip to the Bahamas and she can't come, I can't come back. <laughs> Brother Wilton said, no, 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 no. Bring Kelly. Y'all come on. I was like, we're in. Man, I went and bought some Bermuda short, and I'm kidding. And uh, I said, I'm in. I'm in. And uh, so we get down there. We check into this resort, beautiful resort. Brother Wilton said, I will be here to pick you up, and we'll go to the church. I said, let's go. And so he picks us up. We leave this beautiful island where we're staying a resort. Then we start traveling back into the interior of the island. Pulled up to this church. My wife at this point had never been out of the continental United States on a missions trip. The closer we got, the more it didn't look like the place we were staying. And we pulled up to this church and we walked in. And there were believers, and they started singing about Christ. How many know what I'm talking about? On the mission field and hearing believers sing about Christ. They started singing, and then they sang some more, and then they sang some more, and now it's time to preach. We're sitting there. Kelly's tears are rolling down her face. She's looking at me. And she is saying, is this what church is like? And I said, babe, this is what church is like. She said, can we take this back to Longview? And I said, we need to take him back to Longview? Are you guys ready up there? My wife snuck a video. And this, this man stood up. Just play the clip. Turn up high. Praise the Lord, it's good. Good job, good job. Glory to God, amen. Man. What time is that it? Was excellent. What time is it? Time. What time is it? Time. You better believe it. I'm going to take him. Every time. They would sing a little bit. And the more he, the more he just kept standing up. What time is that? Preaching time. And all of a sudden, the wave started from the back of the auditorium. What time is it? Preaching time. Let me tell you something. 
I felt like them NFL players with them earbuds in. And I was like, what time is it? It's preaching time. 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 Brother, I am telling you right now, I got to get up there and preach about Jesus Christ and preach about Jesus Christ and them saints out there, black as can be, white teeth grinning, and they were just shouting and saying amen. And when I got done, what time is it? I said, sleeping time, because I'm tired. <laughs> May we talk about him. May church be about him. Can I ask you a question? Have you apostatized? Do you need to renew your commitment about the word? Have you lost your discernment? Are you always in your pastor's office asking him to rethink this and rethink that? My brothers and sisters, we need to get back. to where we can talk about him. And people change their lives because of him. And every preaching needs to be put in context of this, what pleases him. I enjoy singing. I enjoy it. Sunday, a, uh, a mama came up to me two Sundays ago, this last Sunday, I think it was this last Sunday. And I'm cutting across, headed to where the teenagers are at in the teen center to get them going. Then I'm headed back to my Sunday school class to teach. I'm headed across this mama stop, and her daughter is um, four years old. And she said, uh, Pastor, my daughter was crying last Sunday. I said, you're cry crying? In the service, she was crying. And, and I said, why? She said, well, she thinks that our church is just not the same. And I was like, oh, no. Why? Four years old. Because pastor hasn't sung her favorite song in four weeks. The mind of a four-year-old. Do you know what her favorite song is? Take your songbooks. Page five. Ever since that girl's been born, she was in her mother's womb. We have lifted up him. And Jesus said, bring those children to me. Such is the kingdom. Oh, my friend, is a song like this boring to you? Sing it with me. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. 
stand please in honor of our Lord on this last verse everyone standing please give it all you have he's listening here we go holy holy Of whom? We have so much more to say. Please don't let it fall on a dull life. Preachers, go home. Speak much about Him. Sing much about Him. Lift Him high. He'll draw. Just lift Him high. Stay in the heavenlies. Stay on your knees. 
Stay in the word. And the biggest commitment you layman can make is that you too, Monday through Saturday, will be preparing just as hard for the Sunday service as your pastor is preparing. Because he deserves to be able to be a good reflection of his boss. He deserves to come to his workbench and tell you about his boss and you sit there and go, I love him. Tell me more. Tell me more. We need revival. We're eternally secure, my friend. But we are so apostatizing. I don't stand here before you as somebody that is perfect. I stand before you to tell you this. I know when I'm going backwards. I know. And when I know I'm going backwards, I have to get away from the what the ministry is all about to the who. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.